Hello and welcome. On today's episode, we welcome Guy Broderick from Crisca. Welcome, Guy, to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, you're, you're a good presence and a big presence in the industry uh, with regards to, you know, being seen and being heard. And so it's nice to have you kind of one-on-one to to chat a little bit about what you do uh, in the safety and training world. But uh, as I kind of go through with everyone who gets on here, I always want to know how you, you got tied up into the industry. So how did you get your foot in the door in this industry? Well, I kind of started a little bit differently than a lot of people do. I actually started with a private fleet. I actually worked for a lumber company that was based in Mississauga. Uh, Lansing Bilbo was the name. And uh, I had the opportunity when I was 18 to get my first commercial license through an in-house training program. And then it was very shortly after that that I had an, another opportunity to get my AZ license through Lansing. And then I uh, continued there for a, a little bit uh, after that. Uh, I got into a little bit of driver training while I was there. And that's when I, the whole safety kind of training background really started. And uh, then from there, actually, I went to, off to uh, college to learn about computers. And then uh, the industry kind of pulled me back. And uh, that's when I started with uh, TNT Logistics. And then I was a Canadian operations manager, and I also did driver training there. And then it kind of progressed on to my uh, time at Apps Transport. I spent the majority of my career there. And I've done everything there from uh, road testing, driver training, in-house training, recruiting. I kind of dabbled into social media when I was there. And uh, now I'm currently the safety and training supervisor with uh, Crisca Transportation. Excellent. Well, very thorough, and uh, you, you've you spent a lot of time in industry doing kind of what you do now, and it's it's neat to see. Um, I guess complementing what you've done on the professional side, you've also been involved with a tremendous amount of different boards over your career as well. If you can maybe elaborate on kind of the different different places you've volunteered your time with regards to the industry. Well, uh, that all started uh, probably. I had the, the very uh, great opportunity of when I was at APPS to be part of a program that's through the Ontario Trucking Association. It's called the OTA Road Nights Program. And when I was a road knight, uh, that kind of catapulted me into uh, the area of doing work on different boards and committees. And uh, one of the first committees that I actually got to work on was with uh, Angela Splinter from um, Trucking HR Canada. And I was involved in the rewriting of the National Occupation Standard for truck driving. So I uh, got to sit on a a team of uh, members from across the country, right from BC, right through to Ontario. And some of the biggest names in the trucking industry were on that uh, committee. So that kind of catapulted me into being able to sit on other committees and I was uh, frequently called by the OTA to uh, help them in uh, different committees. I sat on the MELT committee, which helped design the MELT program here in Ontario. And that kind of led to doing work with the Truck Training Schools Association of Ontario, which is an association of the truck training schools. And uh, I spent uh, quite a few years uh, sitting on their board and I was the um, chairperson of the carrier group. So not only does uh, truck training schools are members of that group, 
but also some of the biggest carriers in not just Ontario, but the rest of Canada are part of that group. And I uh, headed up the carrier group division of the, the board. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a very uh, interesting career. Let's, uh, let's, let's say that. <laughs> no, a definitely. lot of people to be thankful for. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the joy of this industry, right? It's, it's, uh, everyone seems to know everybody somehow everyone's kind of connected. And like you said, one, one door opens and leads to another and it kind of takes you down this path that you may not have planned, but it's, uh, it's very enriching and, and rewarding as you kind of go through it. Yes, it is. So, so today we, we have you at Crisca and I guess kind of tapping onto what you said with regards to the carrier side uh, involvement with the TTSAO would be the in-house driver training. And, you know, we're seeing that, I guess, obviously with some carriers outside of just the schools, what, um, I guess from, from a company point, what, what's some of the benefits of having the in-house driver training that, that you see that kind of brings you in to what you're doing there today? Well, uh, let me, um, when I worked for apps, um, our training program was a little bit different. Uh, apps was an LTL carrier. So it, the training, uh, really wasn't it wasn't the way it's involved because we were mainly targeting drivers that had many more years experience in the industry. Cause LTL is not, um, it's not really a side that you can go in there with really fresh license kind of thing. You really have to kind of learn it because you are going into some very tough places. The thing uh, with Crisco uh, that kind of uh, helped me, and I've known people at Crisco for uh, many years. I actually first got to know uh, Caroline Blaze, who is the recruiting manager here at Crisco, back when I was a road knight. Uh, the team that I was on uh, with the OTA, there was uh, one of the driver trainers, uh, Bob Duncan from Crisco, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet Mark Seymour many years ago. So I was very well versed in how Crisco did a training program. So when this uh, opportunity came up to kind of uh, transfer my uh, skill set over to Crisca, it kind of really fit my background because um, our training program here at Crisca is uh, very unique. Uh, we will send uh, new drivers, newly licensed drivers out with a road trainer. And they're not just out with them for a couple of days. They're not out with them for a couple of weeks. Sometimes it can even be longer. And uh, the big difference uh, that I'm experiencing here at Crisca is uh, it's not just one or two people doing this training. We have an entire team of people doing the training. We have a driver trainer supervisor in uh, Mississauga, and then we also have uh, road trainers, and then we have over-the-road trainers. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty exhausting uh, um, adventure uh, for any company to get into. Uh, we do see some challenges, but um, the thing that I like to uh, share is um, you're taking a newly licensed driver and you're being able to mold them your way of doing things. And the things that I really like about uh, Crisca is the technology that we use. It's a very cutting edge fleet. Uh, you know, Jason, um, by our, our, the kind of trucks that we have in the fleet, uh, they're very modern. They're very, um, the technology that's uh, behind the international is, uh, it's, you really can't beat it. And right. um, it's, when you take that and you utilize it with the different software programs that we have uh, that are available to our drivers, it really makes a very interesting uh, mix. 
and uh, being able to take a, a brand new licensed driver and mold them and basically create that ultimate Crisca driver, I've really seen the benefits and I've had the opportunity, like we have 400 trucks operating across North America and uh, the area that I'm kind of responsible for is uh, Mississauga as well as our Brantford terminal. And that's, uh, that's quite a few drivers. And I've, since I've been here since November and uh, I'm meeting handfuls of drivers every single day. And I always like to introduce myself, get to know them a little bit and get to know their background, why they got into trucking. And uh, it's, it's a proud thing to say, hey, not only do we take those newly licensed drivers, but we make them some really great, great drivers. And when you just have these casual conversations with our driver trainer team, and it's not just a few guys, it's like we have 12 guys that are currently doing it right now, and we want to expand that team even bigger. But although it's a little bit different with uh, COVID right now, but uh, we do have a, a very good team of people, but to take those drivers and to listen how they kind of mold and kind of melt those new guys into what they can become, it's, uh, it's quite a satisfying uh, result. And I, I think that's probably one of the huge, like you said, that's the greatest benefit of the in-house training is you're, you're molding a, a driver to kind of, to, to work in your world. And, but I would think from the driver point of view, you know, when you go to schools and, and there's great schools out there that, that do wonderful jobs training the guys, and then they got to go out and, you know, and, and find a role here. They've already, they've kind of got that comfort level too, that, you know, if they, if they do what's required, learn well and become a safe driver, they've got a home and they're already from day one, they're, they're already part of your family, which is, you know, I, I would think comforting for them. Um, you know, and, and it makes for a great, you know, workplace environment, a great community and, and you know, just satisfied drivers. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like you take a look at a driver really can make or break your reputation in the industry, right? Like if you have a driver that is not following safety protocols at a certain company, a driver that might be driving erratically on the road, like there's lots of things that can give you that, that bad phone call that nobody in any safety department wants to get. But uh, to um, have your drivers trained your way of doing things, and if we have drivers that do have an accident, the reporting that goes on, and the fact that, that we have a, a bonus program for our drivers, and they recognize this. And we recently adopted a, a new uh, program, uh, really cutting edge technology, it's called Speed Gauge. And what it does is it monitors speed. And okay, a lot of people think, oh, it's just Big Brother monitoring speed. But what's what I find fascinating about the program is it creates patterns. So you can literally tell GPS coordinates, you can bring it up on Google Maps, where the person might be speeding. So if you know he's driving through the hills of Pennsylvania, you can kind of pinpoint exactly where it's happening. It's fascinating technology. And that's the one thing I do like love about Crisca is if it's if it's technology, we have it. Nice, and that's it helps them, right? It helps you 
obviously from an overall watching jar, make sure that you are being safe, but it also helps as, as a trainer to reinforce good behavior and to be able to discuss, you know, behavior that's not really what you want to be seeing without necessarily exactly. being overly like big, heavy handed, but more so, Hey, you know, we're seeing this, we're noticing this, let's help you kind of work and get to a, you know, a better position. Yeah. Like I like to, the way I like to look at it, like we have, um, uh, we have a dash camera system uh, in our trucks through our uh, telematics uh, provider, which is Isaac uh, Instruments. And we use that dash cam video. Yes, we will use it for any kind of uh, accident, but it's a tool in the toolbox of training. And the same thing with our speed gauge program, that's another tool, right? And we we have quite a toolbox. And <laughs> it, it's uh, it's uh, quite a neat thing to see a technology, uh, see the technology that's evolving because everybody knows that the trucking industry, a lot of the technology that we see out there in cars, that technology was first brought in into the trucking industry. And it's, it's really, it's really cool to work with a company that has this. And it's one thing to have that technology, but it's another thing to have a safety department that really utilizes the technology. Cause lots of, there's lots of companies out there. They'll have, this, that, and all these different software packages, but are they really utilizing them to their uh, degree that they should be? And that's the one thing I can say, like uh, we have a very good safety team here at Crisca. It's uh, like, you're, we're not talking people that just got into the industry uh, a few years ago. Um, between uh, myself, um, Bob Duncan, our safety manager, Tara, uh, our safety and licensing specialist, Laura, Joel, Keith and uh, Roman and Mississauga as our uh, training supervisors and road trainers, plus the the group of road trainers. We're talking many, many years experience. And uh, we as a group, we, we like to share our personal experiences because we've all been former drivers at one point. And we like to share those experiences with uh, new drivers to really make them the best out there on the road. I think it's important for people to hear and see. I mean, you know, we see the Crisco trucks on the road. Um, you know, except with, with 400 trucks, it's, you guys are very visible, but it's also, I think, beneficial for a lot of fleets to hear what you do behind the scenes to be successful and to be visible in a positive way, you know, not in a negative way with, you know, trucks on the road, flipped over or anything like that, you know, nice, safe driving and having a full team behind you doing safety. And like you said, the, the data is one thing, you know, we on the truck side, there's so much data you can pull. There's, there's probably more data you can really, really wrap your head around. And a lot of guys have access to the data, but making use of the data in a way that is beneficial to a company that then goes right down to the training side, you know, that whole full circle that I think with the in-house driver training, with your background, with your experience and your team's experience, you know, as the technology grows and as you see different trends, you're allowed to adapt really quickly and, and get that right down to the frontline guys as they're coming on board so that, you know, they're not 10 steps behind. They're right up to date with what, you guys are doing what you're seeing based on the data that that's, that's being pushed forward to you from, from the trucks themselves. Yeah. And what I find uh, interesting too, is um, as you know, Crisca is uh, not a small company, right? Like they Crisca holdings, which I work for, that's just one part. Mm-hmm. You got the whole KTG part, which is our parent company. And if you look at how many power units they have and what it's really neat is the technology that we use, well, that's the same technology that Mill Creek's using, that Trail was using, that all our other operating companies 
it, are we're all using this, the same technology and our uh, we have one central safety director that kind of manages all of our operating companies and uh, she uh, she knows her stuff she uh, her name's uh, Eugenia and uh, she's always there if any of our operating companies have a question to ask her she's right there to answer the question any kind of situation that we deal with so we have an incredible knowledge base here at the within the company and you know, you, you touched on briefly with the uh, your time with the TTS board and the melt program. And, you know, I'm not, I think most of the people in industry you know, are kind of familiar with, with the changes that have happened with driver training. Um, you know, but for any of those, you know, who are new to the industry or, you know, new drivers who may be looking to, to work and partner with someone like Kriska, what, what's, you know, high level, what's kind of changed in the overall driver training program from what it was before to kind of what, what we're seeing today? Well, let's, uh, let's go back a little bit before melts. Um, the federal government has a, a program called the, the NOC codes, which uh, the National Occupation Codes. And within the NOC codes, you have a variety of different jobs, everything from a sales job to retail sales to industrial sales like yourself to truck driving. Well, if you take a look at the original National Occupation Standard for a professional tractor trailer driver, it was literally enough words to fill up a pamphlet. That's all it was. Wild. Well, that first committee that I sat on, and we had representation from some major carriers. Uh, I was there. Uh, there was people there from Bison, Challenger, Herb, and a variety of carriers from uh, Western Canada. And we took that standard and we rewrote it. And the finished product was probably about an inch and a half thick. Wow. And we, we looked at everything, every competency that a driver could engage in in their job was checked, rechecked, and rewritten. So that standard, fast forward a couple of years, th- then we have the issues that we see with driver training. There was the big uh, article that was put out with the Toronto Star uh, about how commercial truck driving training is done in Ontario. So then the Ontario government sat down with all the stakeholders, including the OTA, including TTSAO and a variety of other groups. And we wanted to write the MELT program. Well, if you look at the actual official training manual for the MELT program, um, that is roughly another inch and a half thick. So to take what was being taught, and I, I can say this for my many years of driver uh, doing road tests with people. And you can, you can ask any person that's been in the industry about how a road test can go. I could tell you stories that would make your head spin, how people say they went to a driving school and what they were taught how to do a pre-trip on a, on a road test. It's, it's shocking. I could tell you stories where drivers have told me, and I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. They put their hand right on the power steering reservoir. They point at it and they say, yep, your brake fluid is fine. And I'm standing there with, I'm standing there with my, my, my clipboard. And I, did you just say brake fluid? And then this was many years ago at one of my previous uh, uh, positions. And one of our, one of our road trainers was in his truck and he heard that. And he couldn't believe what he heard. And I'm thinking, 
how did you even get an AZ license if you're telling me that a tractor trailer has brake fluid for the brakes? And when you when you hear stories like that, that just makes you want to try and do everything in your power to change things. And that it was here seeing this happen too often was really kind of my ma major motivator in trying to get involved more and to try and change training standards within here within Ontario. No, and we thank you for it because I think you know the the results of the new training program is definitely a safer road, a more educated, oh, well-educated driver, much, you know, much and it's better, much better. Yeah. And and to the fleet right? it's like, beneficial. Well, yeah, because it with the, the melt program, one of the biggest things it did is it weeded out those fly-by-night schools. Right. And that was the big thing, right? And with the TTSAO, that, that, that is a grouping of, and within, if you were to look at their database of schools, yes, you have some very large schools in there, yet you have some very small schools in there. And everything has worked out very well in that sense where it's, the whole MELT program has really weeded out those bad schools, the, the schools that weren't teaching people the right way of doing things. And it's, it's brought more of a, a, a real true standard in the training. Which is needed, you know, and that oh, way every, was, everyone gets sort of, you know, the same level in theory caliber as driver coming from the different schools. And it's not as confusing of, you know, who, who paid for their class versus who actually went to the class kind of thing, you yep, know. That's exactly it. And you yeah. take a look at the, the MELT program, what's, what is neat about it, and I can say that I'm, I'm proud that I was part of it, is because of what happened uh, in uh, Humboldt, that's kind of pushed it across Canada. So if you look going to the West, all those provinces, they are all jumping on board with their own version of the MELT program. Right, which makes so sense. It makes 100% sense. Yeah. Like driving a tractor trailer with the weights that the, our uh, drivers move, right? And it's the a Class A Z license is the biggest uh, license that you can drive a, a vehicle on a North American highway. And yeah. you got to know what you're doing. Well, for sure. And, you know, and speaking kind of to that, um, you know, one thing is, is, as we enter the spring, you know, every, every season seems to have its challenges, you know, for drivers and, and being prepared and planning ahead, which, you know, maybe sometimes is the biggest challenge. The guys aren't planning ahead mm -hmm. and being prepared, yep. you know, from, from what you teach your guys and what you speak to, you know, from, from a spring point of view, what, what are some great safety tips that drivers should be, and, and even fleet owners should be considering making sure that that is reinforced and, and out there for everybody. Well, one of the, it's funny that you, you bring this up because some of the things that I teach people, they're things that I didn't learn yesterday or within the past five years. Those are things that I learned myself when I first got my AZ license when I was 18 years old. One of the, the biggest things that any driver needs to uh, do, especially if you're an over-the-road driver and you're going into very different areas, like if you're traveling in very small towns or if you're driving down very secondary highways kind of thing, you got to be prepared for a what if situation. Now, what if situations can be a lot of things, right? Like 
you just don't go down there on the fact that, oh yeah, you're going to keep your truck running to keep you warm and everything like that. Like what if the truck stops? Right. And one of the things that I used to do, and um, I'll share a little a, a funny kind of story. Um, I was doing runs back and forth to Ottawa and I was uh, just east of Charbot Lake and the truck died. It was uh, an alternator issue. So I had no reserve power, couldn't have the truck running to stay warm or anything like that. But one of the things that was taught to me was to always carry a, a big coffee can with a good sized pillar candle. <laughs> so I light my candle up. I'm sitting there in the bunk. I'm, it was one of those days where it's like, okay, I, I, I have nothing else to do until Penske shows up. So I, I sat and read and I read every piece of paper in that truck. I read <laughs> the owner's manual back to front. You name it, I read it. Yeah. But I was nice and warm, right? Not like it was pretty cold outside, but I wasn't freezing. So when the service truck shows up, he says to me, he says, oh, do you need to go sit in my truck to stay warm at all? And I said, no, I'm actually quite comfortable. He says, do you realize how cold it is outside? And I wasn't sitting there with a big jacket on or anything. Like I wasn't sweating or anything, but it's the fact that I was prepared, right? So I always kind of stress that, like, you got to be prepared for what if, what if you're going to break down? What if you're going to get stuck in snow? What if you're going to get stuck on ice, right? And it's those little things from having a small links of chain that you can loop in your tires to kind of get you out of a bind if you're uh, stuck in a dock kind of thing, if it's very icy out, to carrying a small collapse collapsible shovel with you, to uh, carrying a, maybe a 20-pound bag of kitty litter or something like that with you, as well as any extra food. Those are the things that I would stress to any driver, and uh, what I always like to uh, talk about, especially now being uh, the winter time, is uh, driving conditions. A lot of people think that, uh, oh, yeah, they're, they're salting the roads and everything like that. Well, you know what? Any municipality, any uh, pr province or any state, you know what? They're going to be going through cutbacks. They might not be salting or de-icing an area the way they used to. So uh, we need to kind of, be prepared for situations. So if you're driving close to a bridge, we all know that a bridge surface will ice up faster than a road surface. Well, what a lot of people don't realize, it's it's under the bridge that ices up, right? So if the bridge is, especially on a day like today, it's a little bit overcast outside, that uh, if you have any kind of moisture underneath the bridge, and if it's not getting that direct sunlight to kind of melt off that moisture, and you're at right at the zero level or minus three degree area, that that little bit of slush that's going to freeze. So just picture a car coming onto a highway. He's on the on-ramp. He hits the area underneath the bridge. Guy fishtails it. Bang, he's right in front of you. So yeah. I've always stressed that to people that they need to be very uh, aware of their surroundings and uh, be very aware of what the weather can throw at them. No, well said. And, you know, some good tips in the story, I think, speaks volumes of being prepared and planning ahead because it, it made a, you know, a bad situation, not really much worse than it needed to be. Yeah. You know, and th those are good tips. And then, you know, like I said, a lot of that is, you know, unless I say common sense, but a lot of it is, you know, handed down information. You, you learn something that you pass on to other guys and it's just sharing that information so everyone yep. is aware of how to be best prepared, you know, and there's, there's little yeah, exactly. tricks and tips you can use that, you know, may, if it doesn't help you get you out of the situation, at least makes the situation as comfortable as possible, you know? So exactly. that's a good tip. And, you know, one other thing, 
you know, I wanted to chat with you on as, as we have you here. And, and I think a lot of guys, myself included, know you from, you know, a, a strong social media presence, which is, um, you know, in this industry, not always commonplace, definitely seems to be picking up steam more so, you know, the last handful of years, you see a bigger presence from a lot of the, the, the fleets, the, the different personalities. Um, kind of what, what was your interest in pulling you into being very, you know, active and visible in, in the social media world? Well, that all kind of, uh, that was an interesting start for that part of my career. Um, while I was a, a road knight, I was at um, the Truck World Show, and I um, got to uh, speaking uh, to uh, the team at uh, Today's Trucking Magazine. And I uh, kind of built up a relationship with uh, the writers of Today's Trucking. And um, they so, so much so that they actually became pretty good friends of mine. And... Uh, in doing so, that was really kind of the, the beginning days of uh, really kind of getting on Twitter and doing things on Twitter. So uh, just in uh, my dealings with them, uh, they knew that I was really involved with the OTA. And so I started posting a lot of different things that I would do with the OTA through the Road Night program. I created a Twitter account and I started using it as a way of advertising what that team does. Cause I really, after being part of the, the program, I really saw the benefits of it and what you can do and how you can teach young people as well as the general public about the trucking industry and how it's so vital to not only Ontario's economy, but the, the Canadian economy. And uh, so in doing so uh, I became pretty good friends with one of the, the writers and editors there. And his name was Jason Rhino and, we kind of uh, experimented a little bit more and then I started pitching ideas to them. And next thing you know, I started writing for today's trucking and highway star magazine. And uh, so that relationship really started through social media. And so I got to know James Menzies of truck news very well, as well as Lou from truck news, Rolf Lockwood, Peter Carter, Alan uh, Jensen. And it was that whole grouping of people that really kind of, helped me excel within social media and it was just something that kind of grew and grew and grew and then uh, I started uh, branching out and I started to get really into LinkedIn and seeing the benefits of what the LinkedIn site can do uh, for someone's career and uh, it really between doing the writing on the industry doing the social media work I got to get a ton of people a ton of people you go to a couple of these industry events and yes, you, you look at transportation as being such a big industry, but when you start going to these events, you see the same people at them all the time. And all those people became really good friends of mine. Like um, for instance, the, the a big account manager at uh, Trailcon uh, trailer leasing, uh, John Foss became a very good friend. Uh, one of the previous people you interviewed, Peter Collins, we yep. connected <laughs> in through uh Twitter and everything. And uh, we started posting uh, messages and, and tidbits of information and everything. And uh, it just kept on growing and growing from there. And I built up a quite a big following on uh, Twitter as well as uh, LinkedIn. And it's kind of funny because some of the biggest companies in the world, which is to my surprise, followed, started following me, like whether it's international trucks started following uh, different other uh, big truck manufacturers started following. And it was kind of neat to take these ideas that you really don't think you could share with people 
And next thing you know, you are sharing it. And these big, big players that have multi, like major budgets to run entire departments, they're getting in contact with you because they liked a comment that you said about something, whether it might be something on tires or might be something that you notice on the highway or something that is um, uh, utilizing their trucks better from an engineering point of view. Like I've, I've been connected in with variety of different truck manufacturers because I'll make a comment like back in the, the days when I was driving, we would test different trucks from uh, different manufacturers and I would post comments what I thought was good, what I thought was positive. Well, within a week, I have the engineering department contacting me. What did you really think was wrong with that truck? This is what we want to do to change things. And that, that was the power of Twitter. Yeah, it's the, the social media part, I think, as people dive into it, I think your, your story of it really emphasizes the, how powerful a platform it is and for those that don't necessarily use it every day, um, it's a way for anyone to kind of get your voice heard. And like you said, the industry is so small, so large at the same time. You know, we all know the same people at different levels of, of you know, uh, connections, but they know people, they know people. And like you said, you know, I'll, I'll put something out and, you know, I may have X amount of connections and then the amount of views is three times that much. I'm like, but oh, who are these people, right? And you start looking to see who they are. How did they look at it? And like you said, all of a sudden you're reaching segments of people that you would never have reached before just by, you know, say my world, I'm Sylvia, just by, you know, whether going to a trade show or going to, you know, knock on doors, I can, I can get something out, you know, to a way bigger audience. And, you know, for our customers, say like Kriska or even, even like Rush, like ourselves, it's a way to get to the driver or get to somebody that, you know, you may not see or may not have a way of crossing paths just with the nature of where you are geographically or just in the different roles. And so, you know, from a company, it's a way to get, you know, a voice out there for an individual. It's a way to support your business, but also support your brand and who you are and, you know, allow yourself to become, you know, kind of like you have, you know, an, an expert in the safety and, and training world and go to for a lot of people, but then you're also a, a great ambassador for the company with a great knowledge of a certain topic that people lean on and, and respect. And it's, it, it's a great platform to share that and to get that out there, which, you know, what didn't, wasn't around 20 years ago. So it's, it's pretty no, neat. No, it's uh, it is, uh, it is neat because uh, I, I admit that when I uh, post something and I, I do this on LinkedIn and as well as Twitter, that I, I'm always curious at who's reading it, who, who's interested in what I have to say. And, I, I, I do find it very interesting to see, like, sometimes it's, uh, it, it is just guys that are sitting behind the wheel, the men yep. and women that are driving the trucks across North America. I've had uh, lots of uh, comments uh, said about different things that I've said, but then it, it, it's people like yourself that are in sales. It, it's people that might be like a, a VP of a, a major manufacturer that has nothing to do with trucking. It's just that they know that, Hey, that company, they're moving our freight. I'm curious of what they're saying about different things. And it, it's, a, it's an incredible tool. And it, it, it's, a, it's something that I think more companies need to really kind of grasp the power of it because there's tons of trucking companies out there, but you might have drivers like myself that um, I kind of created it on my own, but I think more and more companies need to the power of social media 
right? Like I know I've been following uh, Rush and what they've been doing uh, down in the U.S. for a number of years and uh, even what International does and uh, some other manufacturers. And excuse me, if I see something and I'm not very um, specific to any uh, one company, um, I, if I see something that's posted on, I don't know, Michelin or Bridgestone or something like that, if it seems interesting to me that I think is worth sharing with uh, a broader audience, it's a great way of doing that. And what I, what I, what I really like about Twitter and LinkedIn is, yes, companies can have their own websites and everything like that, that they can have a marketing department kind of really push and, and, and create a, a fantastic websites. But not everybody wants to travel to a website. So what I like about Twitter and what I like about LinkedIn and I've done this in uh, my, my uh, previous employer and I, I do this here at Crisco is it's a great way of sharing with the public tidbits about the people who work here. Right. Right. Like if you, you meet somebody like I, w- one thing I will say about Crisco, like I spent 25 years at apps, which was a very long time. There was only three people higher than me on the seniority list, but here at Crisco 25 years, that's nothing. They've been, they have people here that have been here for 30 plus years, 35 years. And they openly promote it. You go to the, our driver's room in uh, Prescott, you have all these banners from different years and it shows one year, five years, 10 years, 15, 25, 35 and higher, right? Well, a chance to meet somebody that's worked for the same company for 35 plus years and you know what, if you can say a few words about them, to me, that takes pride in the company. Yeah. And you know what, let's get them, let's get their picture out there. Let's get their voice out there. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a driver. It could be somebody that works in the office. It could be somebody that's a mechanic with the company, anything. But it's Definitely. a great way that a, any company can brag about their people. Yep. And, and it speaks volumes to the company too, right? When people stay that long and invest basically their whole professional career in one company. Um, you know, if you're looking to partner, you know, if you're, you know, for your sales team as they're out, you know, selling the services you guys do, that's, that's a strength, you know, to, to oh, people. Huge. It's, you know, it's a huge strength. So, and it's, and it's a way, like I said, it's a great way to push it out there and celebrate it. And, you know, people see it and it's pushed to them and they can interact with it. And, and it's current, which is nice too. You know, like you said, the website's there, People go to the website, but it's, you know, in this day and age, everyone wants something pushed to them. And that's, you know, they, they can curate their own little world and they'll see that stuff and it pertains to what they're interested in and they engage accordingly. And, you know, and that's how the business kind of grows. And it's, it's, it's very, very powerful platform that it's nice to see is being leveraged more in the industry than it has ever been. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so you know, on that note, I, I I definitely want to thank you for coming on another quasi social media platform, a podcast, which is something different for our industry, but it's um it's it's a fun way of, of getting to, you know, talk to yourselves and other personality in the industry and, and you know, go a little bit deeper and dive a little bit deeper into what, you know, everyone does and how they got there and you know, things you can't pull from the LinkedIn platform, <laughs> you know, hundred yep. percent. But uh, you know, I think we learned a lot today on, you know, the driver training, some definitely some good tips, some background of how we got to where we are with the training and uh you know hopefully people see the benefit in the social media part as well so do thank you again for for making the time i greatly appreciate it no thank you for uh highlighting the industry i i think it's um i think it's uh beneficial 
for uh, this uh, podcast that you've uh, created with uh, Rush to kind of uh, highlight the people within the industry because uh, more and more people need to see how this industry really, how the wheels are turning. And uh, it's, it's events like this, right? And when you mix this in with uh, other social media uh, platforms, this is a great way of uh, sharing people's experiences because you know what? Everything is based on knowledge. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, you can never ask too many questions. Uh, it's always a good thing, right? Any driver training exercise that I've ever done, I always kind of single out the person that is asking all the questions because you know that they want to learn. Right. And uh, having this opportunity to uh, share, whether it's uh, experiences like what Peter did the, on his uh, your very first podcast and everything like that. Like I learned more about Peter that <laughs> podcast yeah. than I knew about him personally. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the thing. And that, that's, that's kind of been the joy of this is, you know, we, we know a lot of the, the people and we know them from how we know them and you know, we're all very well interconnected, but there's usually a big story behind them that we don't know. We've never had a chance to ask, but then it also, you know, helps you better understand kind of, you know, who they are in the industry and, you know, a lot of guys, when we you talk to different people, the background they have, the path that they took, it's it's great for someone new getting into the industry. They can understand, yeah, hey, if I wanted to be this role or be involved in this, you know, what have some other guys done? Um, but also you you really appreciate and, 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 and understand the experience a lot of these guys really have that you may not really be fully versed in. And, you know, we look forward to doing a lot more with a lot of, you know, players in the industry. So everyone really understands what our world's all about and you know we get to know a little bit more about everybody especially in this virtual era um we can't go and meet at all the different association and trade events so this is a our chance to <laughs> to dive a little bit deeper with everybody yeah no it's uh, it's great that we have this technology to do this exactly well thank you again i greatly appreciate it and uh, that will conclude today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Keith and Kriska. And I remind you to subscribe and check out our page at rushtruckcenters.ca for all our episodes. And until next time, thanks for listening.